0: Welcome to Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. What would happen if you say what you
1: wanna say? Hello, ladies. How are you doing? Going? Shug Burry here, and I'm actually in studio in Minnesota, not on the road, but we are going to be on the road very soon, uh, interviewing people along the way, and the God appointments that God has set up for us. Would you find us on himforher.org? Come check us out, look look up all of our shows, podcasts, etc. But we are airing today uh, in the studio with Salem, and I really encourage you to listen, because this is super important. And why is it so important? It's because sometimes we get led astray and we don't exactly stay alert to what the enemy is doing. And I really think it's important that today's message, and and you can tell yourself one way or the other might not apply to me, it does. So ladies, gentlemen, you've got to listen to this show. I feel like it's a warning for all of us and it's called Warning, Dangers of Progressive Christianity. And we have a fabulous guest with us here today. Her name is A. Lisa Childers. I'm so thankful to have her with us. Thank you for joining us, A. Lisa.
0: Oh, it's so great to be with you. Thanks for having me.
1: Let me share why I asked her particularly on this show. It's, it was a matter of God appointments that it happened. I spoke at a women's event um, not too long ago uh, here in Minneapolis, and one of the young girls came up to me afterwards, a young mother, and she said, Suge what do you think about progressive Christianity? And I looked at her, I'm going to confess, I looked at her like a doe in the headlights. Like, what are you talking about? And um, so, of course, I pointed her to scripture, talked about God's word, and then I went home and I started researching and I started looking up progressive Christianity. I also belong to a group called Discerning Women's Group where we study all of these things. And one of the gals brought up progressive Christianity and the impact it's having on our culture in our world. And um, she also mentioned our wonderful guests that we have here today. So you guys, we're on YouTube. I want you to find us. See this book I'm holding up here? It's called Another Gospel. It's amazing. I couldn't put it down. And it's really A Lifelong Christian Seeks Truth in Response to Progressive Christianity by Elisa Childers. The first five people that come on our website to himforher.org and put in the info line, another gospel. I will send that book to you for free. It is so good. You need to listen to this, not only for yourself, but for the sake of your children and generations to come. So let's get started. I think I brought the warning sign out there, Elisa. Do you think so? Yes, I think so. i got to tell you guys a little bit about our guest. Elisa is a wife, a mom, an author, a blogger, a speaker, and a worship leader. Get this, friends, she was a member of the very popular award-winning CCM recording group Zoe Girl. Remember that? I I mean, I even know who they are. She is a popular speaker at apologetics and Christian worldview conferences, so you already know she's super smart. And she has been included in Rethink, which is an exclusive uh, group where they include people of of good knowledge. Alisa has been published in a wide variety of platforms and received over 1 million views, on her popular blog. You can find her at alisachilders.com. And I'm going to spell that for you. A-L-I-S-A-C-H-I-L-D-E-R-S.com. Now, I have so many questions that we have made this into two parts, part one and part two. I encourage you to listen to both parts because we get into the dirt. We get into the meat of this, uh, particularly in the second uh, show as well. So Elisa, I want to talk a little bit about the basics of progressive Christianity for my friends, and I wasn't familiar with it yet either, who might not know what this means. What is progressive Christianity, and how did you get involved in it?
0: Well, progressive Christianity, just to put it in a nutshell, is a group of people who identify themselves as Christians. Most of them grew up in the church, but they're redefining, they're rejecting even, and reinterpreting some of the core historic doctrines of Christianity. So, essentially, they're redefining the gospel to mean something different than it has to Christians historically, which in my book, I argue, really ends up giving you a different God, a different Jesus. It's a different religion, in my view, because it's really taking away some of the core issues of belief that have united Christians for 2,000 years and what's made Christianity unique in the world for for 2,000 years. And so they're still applying the label Christian to it, but they're changing what it actually means.
1: Why even keep the name Christian on it?
0: well it, different reasons for different progressive christians i some would argue that they believe they're actually the historic version of christianity they believe that uh, modern evangelicalism has co-opted christianity and changed it into something else and uh, certainly we can we can bring out criticisms of of all different types of uh, cr- christian Christians and Christian groups and maybe some things they've gotten wrong. But the problem with progressive Christianity is they're not just changing their minds on methods. They're not just changing their minds on maybe some political or social issues. These are are core historic doctrines that define the gospel that they're really redefining, changing,
1: and even often rejecting. Mm. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about um, how you got involved in this to begin with? Yeah, well, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, loved
0: Jesus as far back as I can remember. I've always believed in my bones that the Bible was the word of God. I never doubted that. But I also had never really intellectually tested what I believed. If somebody would have asked me as a high schooler, why do you believe the Bible is the word of God? I would have just said, well, I don't know, the Bible says so, or because the Holy Spirit's revealed it to me or something like that. But I didn't really have an intellectual answer for that. And so I think that made me a little vulnerable to this movement about 10 or 11 years ago when my husband and I were attending a church in Tennessee. It was, it was marketed as a non-denominational evangelical church. They had the Apostles and Nicene's Creeds on their website. And I was invited to be a part of a smaller discussion group within the context of this church by the pastor. And when he got this smaller group together, he revealed to us that he was actually an agnostic. He wasn't sure what he believed about God and about the gospel. And and he's saying this
1: in your small group
0: to church In the small group right but but in like on Sunday mornings he was giving these really bible-based sermons in fact he used more scripture than almost any pastor he'd ever heard but behind closed doors in the midweek class that we were in he was really doubting whether the Bible was the Word of God and really was essentially trying to persuade us that the Bible had been corrupted the people that we thought wrote it didn't really write it it's not really authoritative in the sense that we are compelled to view this as God's word interpreted properly as authoritative for our standard of truth. And so this was really rattling for me, and I would try to debate him while I was in the class. Uh, But there just came a point in time when my husband and I realized, like, this is really off. We can't raise our kids here. And when we left, I found myself really isolated, and all of those doubts that he had planted really took root in my own heart and began to grow. And then I went through uh, what I would describe as a really dark night of the soul. It was a crisis of faith. Uh, all of the beliefs I had treasured since I was a kid were becoming unraveled because essentially I'd built my life on the Bible. And when he was able to persuade me that the Bible wasn't really God's word, that it that it was corrupted, that what we're reading today wasn't even what they wrote, uh, it was it was extremely destabilizing and disorienting for me. So I just cried out to God one night and I said, God, if you exist, if you're real, if this whole thing is true. I need some information. Like, I need somebody to tell me uh, all the stuff this guy knows. I need somebody else who knows all that stuff, but has come to a different conclusion so that I could weigh the two against each other. And so I discovered apologetics, and apologetics is really how God rebuilt my faith. Now, the reason this is relevant to progressive Christianity is because the church that I was at, where this all happened, years later, after my husband and I left, they rebranded themselves, mm. they took down the apostles and Nicene creeds. They wrote their own belief statement and uh, rebranded themselves as a progressive Christian community. That was the first time I had heard that phrase, Uh, but I kind of knew what it meant because that's what I had just walked through. And so then I began to see progressive Christian blog posts and books and everything kind of pop up all at the same time. So I took a couple of years and I read all the books that I could. I listened to their podcasts, read their blog posts, just tried to get my hands around, what is this? Because it's a movie. Movement. It's a movement of Christians that call themselves progressive Christians, and often we hear that word progressive and we think, well, it's a political movement. I mean, definitely politics are involved, but it's, it's deeply theological in its denials of core essentials of the Christian faith.
1: Now, you had said uh, two things that that caused questions in my head. First, um, are they still alive and operating in Tennessee, this that church, church that you went to? It is. Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. And then also— um, Share with our uh, listeners, if you would, please, about apologetics. What does that mean?
0: Yes, and I'm glad you asked that because often Christians hear that word and they think what is that? It either they don't know and it sounds like we're apologizing for something or others have preconceived ideas about it. But essentially apologetics is just giving an answer for the reason for the hope that lies within you like we we find out in 1 Peter 3:15 we're all commanded to do as Christians and that word there that Peter uses be ready to to give a reason or defense that word in Greek is apologia, and that's where we get our word apologetics. It just means to give reasons. Those reasons can be found in in scientific data. It can be found in philosophy. It can be found in theology, history. All sorts of different disciplines can come together to equip a Christian to be able to give a reason for
1: why they believe Christianity is true. And that's that's essentially what apologetics is. Thank you. And as I'm reading through um, you know, all the data, all the information, I'm listening to your podcast, you guys, please go Uh, to her website as well. It's alisachilders.com. And I really encourage you to go there and listen to um, the podcast. I mean, it's just, it's self-explanatory. You do such a good job of explaining it to our listeners. You bring guests on, you talk about different topics. Uh, But this is something that we really need to be aware of. And as I'm learning more and more about this, I'm starting to think, is this a cult? I mean, really, the way it looks, there's not a leader necessarily that's leading everyone. It, it almost seems like a social justice thing where um, that's becoming more important than God's word and the truth. Can you share a little bit about that? Do you believe it is a cult or does it resemble a cult? There are
0: definitely some cult-like beliefs and behaviors in that I would say the first thing would be what we find in, in cults like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness is that they'll use a lot of the same words, but they mean different things when they use those same words. And that's huge in progressive Christianity, where they'll say things like, oh, I believe the Bible is divinely inspired, but they don't mean it in the classic sense that God this is God's word, like God breathed is the word that that we get inspired from. And it means like, it, this is God's word, his words on a page. Doesn't mean that the people who he used to write scripture are human typewriters, that they were just in some kind of a trance and dictating. He certainly used their personalities and their cultural context, their grammar styles, but it's his, the, the words are inspired. They are God's word. But in progressive Christianity, that's Changed and that means something more like I find it really inspiring spiritually, or it's it's inspiring to me. So it takes on a different thing. But they do that with lots of words. They've redefined the word tolerance, redefined the word love, as you mentioned, redefined the word justice. And so very often in progressive Christianity, social justice or what I would call critical social justice, because of course God is just; it's one of His attributes. So it's very important that we uh, pursue justice in the world and justice starting with God. But in progressive Christianity, they're going to follow culture's definition of justice. And so the gospel essentially gets replaced with social justice and progressive Christianity. So words like justice, love, a lot of those are redefined. So I, I think in that way, it's very much like a cult. But where it's not like a cult is that you're really kind of free to believe whatever you want to in progressive Christianity. There aren't like a set of doctrines that you have to say, I believe this, I believe this, and I believe this. Now I'm in with progressive Christianity. Uh, You can believe in the resurrection or not. You can believe that Jesus is God or not. It's not going to matter in progressive Christianity because it's really not so much about what you believe, but it's more about what you do. And that's when the social justice angle Mm -hmm. sort of comes in. Now, with that said, though, there really are some things that emerge when you read the materials and when you listen to the podcast that you would have to be on board with in order to call yourself a progressive Christian. And uh, like I said, critical social justice would be one of those things. Um, Same-sex marriage and relationships and affirmation of that would be a huge core tenet of progressive Christianity. And for that matter, not just homosexuality, but just a different sexual ethic in general. In progressive Christianity, if you tell people to wait until they get married to have sex, that's viewed as uh, really stunting their their flourishing, and and so you know that's going to be off the table. So there are definitely some core tenets, but as far as theologically what you believe about Christ, what you believe about the nature of God, what Jesus accomplished when He was on Earth, that's all sort of up for grabs. You can believe what you want about that, mm-hmm. and that's sort of a core defining feature of progressive Christianity.
1: And friends, as you're listening to this, ladies, this is the core. Of our faith is that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead that's right and he is divine and ladies if you take that out of anything you are not saved. Just, That's you know, right. I can't get any more uh, forward than that or bulls, yes. you know, and so I think this is why it's so crucial. I mean, yeah, wouldn't it be great if everybody lived in a society where it was feel good and you can believe anything you want and you yeah, had pick part of this and pick part of that, but God's word is true. And when you study it in the context that it was meant to be studied in looking at the whole of the Bible, not just little pieces um you will see the grace and the goodness and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm not I'm gonna get off my pedestal here for a minute. That's good. That's good stuff. You know, but I really want <laughs> our listeners to understand, oh yeah, that all sounds good. Uh you know, social justice versus biblical justice, things like that. But I gotta tell you, it is not saving. And ladies, mm-hmm. you don't watch your babies going down that route either. Um, yeah. You don't want your kids, your sisters, your family to, oh, oh, that just sounds so good. Unless you know what the real scripture is right here, ladies, unless you know what the truth is, it's going to be really hard to tell what the counterfeit is as well. I think we don't want to forget as well about 2 Timothy three sixteen to 17. And this is God's word himself. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you and me, ladies, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So again, I can't emphasize enough, the more you know God's word, the more you can tell when that little thief, the enemy, is trying to steal the truth from God. So Elisa, let me ask you a couple more questions if I could. How are people getting lured into progressive Christianity without knowing it? That's an interesting question because, in my experience and in my research, what I've discovered
0: is that progressive Christianity is primarily made up of ex evangelicals. So these are people who grew up in various streams of evangelical Christianity. And I think it's really more about rejecting what they grew up with than it is about what they're affirming or walking toward. And so in many cases, you have people who have been through maybe hyper-legalistic, fundamentalist-type environments where I I talked with people who weren't even allowed to eat Lucky Charms cereal because it was demonic or something, or they weren't allowed to wear shorts, or they were told if they're uh, found in a bowling alley when the rapture happens, they're not going to go. And, and, you know, kind of some of this legalistic stuff that was added. And so in rejecting that, they end up throwing the gospel out with it. Mm. And in other cases, there, there are a lot of cases of people who've been through spiritual abuse. And so they sort of associate the gospel with the abusive environments they grew up with. They're rejecting that. Now, at the same time, you also have a lot of people who are basically rejecting biblical morality. You know, it's just, it, let's face it, it's not popular to hold to a biblical ethic on sex and on marriage and things like this. And especially when you're younger, maybe less mature, you haven't had a lot of theological training. I can see how the pressure to capitulate to culture on those issues is so strong. And here you have a group of people saying, look, you can still have Jesus and you can affirm all these things in culture. And so I think there are a lot of different reasons, but I, I really do think it has to m- more to do with what they're walking away from mm-hmm. than what they're walking toward. Again, because it's such a broad spectrum of beliefs that in that, in, that are fall under that umbrella of progressive Christianity.
1: You know, in your book, you give a really good analogy. In fact, illustration. I love some of your illustrations, like your Nana's recipe. And yeah. you also talked about the peach. So tell us a little bit about that peach uh, that might have to do with what you just explained.
0: Yeah, so I tell a story in in the beginning of one of the chapters of my nephew when he was about, about 12, I think. And I was visiting my sister's house and he was running outside to play with some of his friends and he grabbed a peach out of the fruit bowl on the counter. And he was going so fast that he slammed his head onto the counter as he was grabbing this peach. And immediately he looks at the peach and he squeezes it and squishes it and he yells, stupid peach. And then he chucks the peach out the front door. And so so it was just, you know, the peach got blamed for all of the anger and fury that rose up within him because he slammed his head on that countertop. And I, I think in very many ways, that analogy is really apt for why people are leaving the church. There was something that happened, but they're blaming the gospel and chucking that out the door rather than saying, hey, it's not the peach's fault. I slammed my head on a counter. Like Let's figure out how to heal that wound mm. rather than get mad at some arbitrary thing that really didn't have anything to do that because essentially, I mean, the gospel has a lot to say about abusers and and hyper legalism and things like that. The gospel is really the answer to those things, yes. but it's kind of like we throw the baby out with the bathwater. The gospel gets thrown out with whatever experience people had growing up in the church. I really do think that a lot of these stories we listen to, where people have walked away and they're embracing progressive Christianity, it's coming from a place of not really, I think, understanding. The real gospel, because that's really what the cure is for all of the things that, you know, for many of the things
1: that they're rejecting in the first place. Mm-hmm. And ladies, you got to remember too that the church, you know, it, it is human led, you know, it, and we are sinful and, you know, mm-hmm. sin happens. But it's God's word that is the truth. And he that's loved right. the church. And he uh, rested all things on the church, and Jesus is the head of that. So when we get burned by a church or someone else, you got to remember that scripture that says, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil. And so, ladies, I want you to remember that. Um, And also keep in mind, too, and when you attend a church, I want you to look at it through the lens of Christ and ask yourself, would Christ be pleased with what's going on in this church? And if not, ladies, either do what you can do to help change it or get out. I mean, I know that there's not a lot of time that we have when we're raising our children. Maybe your husband isn't a believer, whatever. Um, you know, I just can't encourage enough to make sure that that church is following God's word. It's speaking truth. And the only way you can know is to get to know the truth yourself. Um, your book, you talk about deconstruction and how oftentimes a progressive church will try to deconstruct uh, your beliefs. And you you shared in your book about your experiences with that. Can you take just a minute and share with our friends what that means?
0: Yeah, deconstruction is a phenomenon we're seeing happen all over the place. And essentially what that—it's a fancy word that just means— The beliefs you grew up with, you're picking them apart. And most often with deconstruction, you're discarding those beliefs. This isn't, it's, it's, people often confuse deconstruction with doubt. They're a little bit of a different animal. I think with doubt, an honest seeker might say, why do I believe this? Or is this belief true, and then they'll pick that apart and then cling to what's true. And so in that way, honest doubt is really built upon truth. And I think that's fine. I think that's actually a healthy part of maturing in our faith is to say, well, why do I believe this? Or is this biblical? Is this belief lining up with reality? That would be more in the doubt category. Deconstruction is more built upon this postmodernism that our culture is so caught up with right now. And that would include moral relativism. Essentially, what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. So if that's your foundation, if that's your view of reality, then it's sort of viewed as virtuous to take that construct of truth that you were given from your church or your parents, deconstruct that, tear that building down so that you can construct your own truth, so that you can live your truth. And you can see how one is sort of built on truth, the other is built more on relativism. And so that's why I think deconstruction is such a phenomenon that people are viewing as virtuous, because in progressive Christianity remember I mentioned it's not really about what you believe it's more about what you do so you you can construct any version of truth that you feel is your truth that makes that works for you that makes you feel good in fact there's a really strong focus on personal conscience in the movement of progressive Christianity you know you have this conscience you need to follow that you need to listen to that and even in when that disagrees with the Bible you need to go with your god-given conscience according to many progressive of Christian writers. And so you can kind of see how it's built upon sure. moral relativism and mm-hmm. following your own feelings and yeah. preferences. Yeah. And that's wh- that's where deconstruction is kind of all about.
1: And that could be a lure for a lot of people and they wouldn't mm-hmm. even know it. You know, in John uh, 8 verse 22, it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Ladies, we're out of time. I don't know what happened, but it's, it's <laughs> right on by. Um, Elisa is so, uh, Knowledgeable in this area. And will you stay with us, please, for a part two? Absolutely. You know, I've still got a ton of questions to ask. But, ladies, I got to ask you a final question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You know, it's a simple prayer. Father, come into my life. Help me to turn away from my sin and to turn toward you. I believe you died and rose from the dead for me. And I invite you to come into my life. So, most important, ladies, that's what you need to know. That is the truth and the Holy Spirit will lead you for the rest of your days. Ladies, this is Sugbury, host of Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics, and I'm so glad that you joined us here today. Stay with us in part two, if you will, as we talk about warning the dangers of progressive Christianity with A. Lisa Childers. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'll see you next time. You know I love you, over and out.